How do you find the next emerging market in your area? When I moved from New Jersey to Florida, my main focus was getting into a neighborhood that was on the rise. I did this through looking at many news articles on new development. However, there's a way more data-driven approach to take. And in this episode of the Tech and Real Estate Podcast, Jordan Bean is going to give us an overview of how to identify real estate market trends using building permits. Permit data is publicly available, so you'll be able to follow the same steps that Jordan took within your own market. My name is Ariel Herrera with the Analytics Ariel channel. We bridge the gap between real estate and technology. If you enjoy data-driven insights to help grow your business, then please subscribe as well as like this content if you want to see more of it. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Analytics Ariel channel. Today, we have a special guest, Jordan Bean. Welcome to the channel, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it was super interesting when I got to recently read an article that you posted about identifying permits and being able to see emerging markets based off of that data within real estate. But before we touch into your analysis, which I find super interesting, I want to hear a little bit more about your background and how you got to the field of analytics in general. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career in consulting and a lot of work on the business strategy side. And I noticed that um, analytics just wasn't really used in a way that could empower those decisions. And so um, I doubled down on it. I went for a master's degree in business analytics part time. Um, I moved into corporate analytics and really just found it fascinating to figure out what are the new questions the analytics can solve? Uh, where can it bring value? And real estate in particular is one that uh, is a really interesting field right now for where analytics can be valuable. Awesome. And how did you get into like programming or like being able to work with data? Have you always liked working with data or is it like a steady introduction into it? Yeah, it was a steady introduction. So I had no computer science background. I had no programming background, but uh, about a year or two out of school, I was kind of thinking, hey, I have all this business knowledge, but um, what's a tangible skill that I can build up and learn? Uh, and at the time, analytics was really at the forefront of um, what can it do in organizations and how can it be powerful? And I noticed that there are just so many limitations with Excel. Um, I thought I could do things, but then I started to learn programming and I went, oh, my God, my <laughs> world of what can be done uh, just exploded. And it was really exciting to think about what are the new problems that we can solve? What are the faster ways, the bigger data sets we can use? So for me, it was really uh, where does my interest lie? Uh, it lies in numbers. And I found that going beyond Excel just opened up all these new opportunities. So just started from scratch and <laughs> tried to learn what I could. And that's what I find exciting about programming is I really think it's a learned skill. Um, for yeah. someone that wants to put in the time, that wants to um, find these topics interesting, it's something that uh, they can learn. Yeah, I completely agree. I also had a little bit of a late jump uh, into programming, but some of the misconceptions that you have to start by age like 11 behind the computer programming, <laughs> definitely not the case. Um, but going back to your blogs that you've recently posted, one in particular um, where you were looking at your own market, which is Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, correct? Yep. Yeah, can you give a little bit more of what was your problem that you had going into this and how were you able to use data to solve it? Yeah, so I moved to Raleigh a little over a year ago, uh, like many people from the Northeast. And as I look around, it's just it's a booming community. I mean, there are cranes everywhere. There's development everywhere. And I was in a conversation with an old classmate of mine, and he was talking about uh, someone that sells into commercial builders. So they sell HVAC equipment, electric equipment, something like that. Um, and he goes, man, it would be great if they had access to permits. Um, which tells them where development's going to happen next and who they should be connecting with. And I thought, well, yeah. that's a pretty interesting concept. And so uh, I went to the city of Raleigh 
uh, website and I wanted to really understand what's out there. And as I pulled the data, I found that uh, it goes all the way back to 2000 and we can get into what a permit is and um, why yeah. it's valuable here. But uh, I just thought that the idea of a permit has to be filed in order to do mm-hmm. any type of large scale development. So if we have enough of that data um, over enough time and we can put it on a map, what can that tell us about where it goes next and where it's been and um, help us really track what movement looks like in a city, particularly somewhere like Raleigh that um, has experienced such incredible growth and continues to be developed? Excellent. Yeah, that framework makes complete sense. And just as you stated, if you could give a bit of background on what are permits and how do they help us gauge uh, new development? Yeah, so the idea of a permit is really simple. Um, anytime that you want to build something that needs to conform to a city code, uh, you need to submit a permit. So it's just a way for the city to track and make sure that what you're building and what you're doing conforms with electric or building or plumbing or whatever it may be. Um, and oftentimes, so for any new development, uh, a permit has to be filed, uh, has to be on the record so that they can track that and, and be aware of it. And then anytime you make an alteration within a home, uh, if it does something that, say, uh, moves around the alteration of the structure of the building or the foundation or um, you know, any type of walls or other work. Um, and so what that means is not only can we track new developments, but also people that are investing a significant amount to redevelop a home. Um, so right. oftentimes when you have a neighborhood that uh, maybe is a little bit older and the buildings need a little bit of um, extra love and attention to bring them back to life, um, that's something that we can also identify within the permit data. So just think of it as anything that um, when work needs to be done that affects a building, a permit probably needs to be filed above a certain dollar amount um, or within reason for a new development. That makes sense. And in terms of you getting this data from your county, was it already set in a neat Excel file or did you have to wrangle with this data set at all? Uh, this was a great data set. So uh, oftentimes, the bigger the city, the more accessible this data will be. So, for example, for the city of Raleigh, um, all I did was type in city of Raleigh building permits data. Uh, and all of a sudden it takes me to the page and it lets me download. Um, then when you get into a program, you can kind of parse out some of those things I said, like only new development or alterations above a certain amount. Um, it, depending on the size of the city, uh, it may or may not be available. Just out of curiosity, I looked at my hometown uh, in New Hampshire. They uh, don't have that information. But when I lived in Boston, that information's there. So oftentimes, if it is published, um, it's within a structure that can already be used and um, mangled pretty easily. Perfect. Yeah. The better we can have structured data, um, the more we could use it. So you're able yeah. to overlay this on a map. And before we go into what that looked like, could you explain a little bit more of Raleigh and what is the city template? So there's a downtown and uh, are the suburb areas around it fully developed or not as much? I would say it's more of an emerging area. So um, for a long time, there's been a lot of investment to go into the downtown to try to get people there, get commercial space there. Um, and now they're really building up the residential aspect of that downtown. Um, and then what happened is, you know, of course, you start to move uh, to some of the outer suburbs and uh, somewhere like Cary is a city that uh, is directly next to Raleigh. That's more of, say, a family-friendly um, place, so higher income, more families, great school system. Um, and then you move north, and some of that development starting to um, you know, ease into that from the downtown. Uh, and so it's really interesting to see in the data where um, there's a concentration of development in the downtown. Uh, but really, as you move outside, you start to get to some of those areas that um, they're more settled, they're more family, but you're still seeing development because, right. say, unlike somewhere like Boston, again, it comes to mind because I live there, um, there's nowhere to build. There's no room. Yeah. Uh, so everything <laughs> has to go up. But a city like Raleigh, because it's been up and coming for geez, probably 10 or 20 years now, um, people continue to find new spaces to develop. And um, there's still a lot of land to go outside of the core downtown. 
Great. And what were some of these new developments that you saw over the 10-year span that helped for you to gauge what the next possible emerging area is? Yeah, so uh, I took the data. Or I'll give you a little bit of the background on yeah. you know what I actually did with it. But um, every permit is associated with an address. And then uh, in order to give some type of structure or shape to what that looks like, um, I mapped each permit to a census block group. And a census block group is something between 600 and 3,000 population that we can pull data on about, um, say, the demographics or the um, type of people that live there. So then I wanted to look at, you know, over that time period from, for me, you know, after the recession, 2010 to 2021, um, within each of those block groups, what's the value of the permits that are being filed? Um, and then that allows us to say, okay, well, in 2010, uh, the downtown was really concentrated, but by 2021, there wasn't a lot of room left. So activity moved south. Um, and so what I did is I looked at for each two-year period, so 2010 and 11, 2012 and 13, and so forth, um, what is the movement of how many uh, permits are filed and what's the value of those permits themselves? Um, and I can look around to myself right now and say, again, that's where a crane is. That's where a crane is. I know what that looks like, but right. what the data can do is it can tell us, well, actually, it started over here. Um, and then it moved into the next block and then the next block. Um, and as I look at what the data looks like today compared to, say, five or 10 years ago, um, it's moving south. Uh, and that's represented in a lot of the new developments that are coming to market right now or in the plan. So, um, for example, again, downtown has been uh, an investment hub for a long time. Um, and now we look at everything that surrounds the downtown and that's received uh, investment within the last 10 years. Um, all yeah. of them are some of the highest developed areas. And now um, as we continue to move south, that's the area that's starting to um, rise as we look at the permit value and we look at um, what's coming to market from a large development standpoint. Um, mm -hmm. So things like, you know, the multi-use uh, live, work, play and tall residential buildings, um, yeah. those are coming to South Raleigh. It's wow. only a matter of, say, probably five years now. You know, permits are already filed and plans are in place. Um, and we can see how some of that more residential development is moving that way. Excellent. As say someone was looking to possibly invest in the area or just live in Raleigh for maybe lower costs coming from maybe the Northeast, um, <laughs> would yep. you, this data help to suggest that a good area to invest in with maybe high future appreciation would be south of Raleigh? Uh, I'm certainly no uh, you know, real estate expert and I'll give all the you know caveats that exist there. Um, but I would say that's where development's moving right now. Um, yeah. So as we think about where um, there's a there's a general movement, I would say, of people wanting to live within downtown areas. Now, that's been uh, dispersed a little bit over the past couple of years with COVID as people look to more um, space. But it seems like it's centralizing more in that region. Um, we're seeing a lot of commercial development within downtown Raleigh. And so nice. for people like myself around my age that um, want to be able to walk to work or have a, a really convenient commute in, um, South Raleigh presents the lowest cost right now relative to the other directions that you could go um, while still being accessible to a lot of that downtown life. So, uh, again, I'm no real estate expert, but uh, <laughs> I would say that that's the area that, um, based on the permit value and data, tends to suggest that it's moving in the right direction. Right. And I kind of took a similar approach, not with permitting. I think that's uh, even better because you took a data-driven approach. But when I was looking for my market when I came down from the Northeast, I looked at several big cities like Austin and Tampa, but it ultimately ended up in a surrounding suburb of Tampa because of future growth based on like articles that I read on new development. But this helps to actually like, bring that data driven approach to it, which is super exciting. So if someone wanted to emulate the same steps that you took for their own market, 
how do we break that down into uh, several simple steps? Yeah. So the first thing is figure out if the permit data exists. So that's a, you know, whatever that right. market might be that you're looking at. Um, again, if it's above a certain size, say most suburbs or cities, the data is probably going to be there. Um, and then it's figuring out what it has. So every permit is typically associated with um, a value because they need to pay a fee based on how much the development is going to cost. Um, so if that value field is in there, that's the one that I used. Um, and so it's figuring out, is the data available? And if yes, what information are they giving you within it? Um, once that comes to be, um, again, the way that I approached it is using the census block groups. Um, that's all publicly available information. Um, depending on whether you're using R or Python, there may be packages that help you programmatically get it. Um, and then, again, for me, it was mapping where is the permit to what is the block group and then looking at that value over time. Um, so it's just a time series analysis using block groups, using the permit data, figuring out for that market what makes sense. So I went back to 2010 because um, I feel there's been a decade long uh, expansion going on within Raleigh. But if it's something that has more time to it, um, perhaps going back further um, or taking a shorter amount of time. So it's figuring out, depending on the market, what's the right time horizon. But generally speaking, permits, census block data, bring them together and then figure out what that value looks like. Um, I use Tableau to visualize that free software for their open source tool um, and a really easy way to do it. Yeah, Tableau is great. There's so many free resources available. So say if someone who's watching wants to get into data analytics, maybe they've done some of their own projects on the side, but they don't know how to get it out there for others to read. Um, what do you think about using the medium as a platform and how does someone get started on it? Oh, I think it's a great platform because anyone can put their thoughts out there uh, and share them and it provides an audience to be able to do it. So I know that you stumbled across my work on uh, Medium yeah. and you know we may not have connected otherwise. So it's a great chance to connect with people that are interested in the same topics. Um, I found that I learned best by doing projects. And so I found questions that were interesting to me. Um, I went ahead and solved them and then I wrote that up um, because I found it helpful to read what other people were doing. And if I go back and read some of my early work, it's still out there. Anyone can do it. Yeah. Um, I've come a long way from where I started to where I am today. And so um, if there's maybe you're intimidated because you haven't done it before or um, you don't know if it's going to be very good. Well, you can't get better until you start doing it. Um, yeah. So I would suggest that anyone that has an interest in sharing their work and using it as a, a means to learn programming, uh, just start doing it. Uh, find something that's interesting to you. Um, do some type of analysis that you find interesting. Write up either what you found or how you did it and then just do it consistently. Uh, and over time, you'll find that both your coding skills and your communication skills will probably improve. I completely agree. Thanks for that, Jordan. And besides um, being in analytics, writing about some of your uh, topics that you find interesting, what else do you do for fun? Yeah, I love the outdoors. And that's the, one of the reasons that I came into Raleigh is um, when you're in the Northeast, anyone that lives there probably for six months a year, you have trouble going outside <laughs> unless you're skiing and snowboarding. So there's a lot of outdoors here. There's a lot of parks. There's hikes. We can get out to the mountains um, or over to the beaches. So for me, anything that's outdoors and moving around is probably going to be pretty fun. Excellent. And if those want to reach you or follow you, your blog or website, how would they be able to do that? Yeah, LinkedIn's a great way to get in touch with me, um, as well as my website, jordanbean.com. Pretty easy to uh, to remember and contact information there or the blog. So, yeah, I love connecting with others in the space. So feel free to reach out and, and email or LinkedIn me. Great. Thank you so much, Jordan. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me.